Hey guys, <clears throat> Paul here from Meldrum Performance Coaching and the Complete Personal Training Podcast. Today, programming mistakes number five, and that is the misapplication and misuse of corrective exercises. So corrective exercises are something that copped a real bad rap over the last couple of years. People are ripping into it saying, what are they actually correcting? They're not necessary, they're low load exercises. Uh, they just take away from more important training. If you can get the same adaptations and strength training, why wouldn't you do that? Blah, blah, blah. So what I wanted to do in this uh, episode was talk about some of those misapplications, misideas, and then how we can actually properly apply it to a programming framework. First thing we want to do is define a corrective exercise. So it isn't the best term, I will agree with that, but what we're looking at is we're using an exercise to solve a problem. So for example, if someone has tension throughout their hamstrings and their posterior chain that's stopping them from getting into the proper position to do a deadlift. I don't think it's totally out of bounds to say that doing some exercises that sort that problem out are corrective. So it's more people getting corrective, like they're correcting things like posture, which you know is very hard to incorrect. You could say they're developmental exercises or preparatory exercises, just corrective exercises is the term that we have. So we're gonna stick with that. So a lot of the arguments against corrective exercises are because of the lack of definition and also the scope of practice of which people apply them with. So corrective exercises are not rehabilitative exercises. They may share a number of similarities, but the whole goal of corrective exercises is to prepare someone for the rigors of proper training, so higher intensity, higher volume, higher load training, without you know any kind of compensations and getting the absolute most out of their body's range of motion that they can do and the goal is to get rid of them. So the first mistake with corrective exercises is if I still see them on the program six months later. What that means is nothing has actually been corrected and you are wasting your client's time and you're wasting your time as well. You're just basically filling the session in with a low level, low level, low neuromuscular activation, low challenge, low metabolic demand exercise. So there are better uses of your time and your client's time than doing that. What I like to do is use corrective exercises to create windows of opportunity. So by doing that, we look at lengthening the tissues that need to be lengthened. We look at stabilizing the tissues that need to be stabilized. And then what we do is that creates us a new opportunity to access a range of motion we previously may not have had access to. So an example of that would be the deadlift. If someone has a very bad toe touch, a very bad active straight leg raise, you try and get them into the position of the bar and it looks like crap. And then you do a couple of corrective exercises and then all of a sudden their ability to get that bar position is spot on. A lot of people will argue against doing that approach just saying, well, if you just kept on practicing the barbell deadlift, you'd eventually get there. My argument back is, is that the most effective way to get there? And is that the best way to get there from a neuromuscular learning perspective? So does it actually give us good subcortical patterns, which is you know below the level of the cortex, so below conscious awareness, or does it give us a poor subcortical, subcortical patterns? Now, actually arguing against what is a good deadlift pattern and a bad deadlift pattern is very hard to say because flexion in the spine isn't necessarily a problem. It's if it's controlled, particularly by the lifter, but it is a skill in itself. Um, there's a number of things that we can argue against, argue for and against in terms of technique, but I'm sure we all know a really good looking deadlift when we see a really good looking deadlift. And that's something that I think really has a little bit of value and is undersold. It's kind of like we can, a lot of the outroar towards like proper form and all that kind of stuff in exercise training now 
they say it doesn't really matter how the lift looks, yet they'll use examples of athletes doing sports where their form is exemplary in a technique and it's just stunning to watch. And then they don't apply that same logic to the strength training, which has never made sense to me, but we're starting to digress a little bit. So my argument for doing the exercises to lengthen, strengthen, uh, lengthen, stabilize, and then strengthen is pretty simple. It takes away fear, first of all. So it stops the client from fearing to get into position because they're worried that their back's rounding. It gets rid of a tra trainer saying some kind of knee-jerk reaction like your back's rounded, blah, blah, blah. It allows the client to feel more comfortable in that range of motion, feel more confident, then they can lift more load and elicit a better adaptation. So what happens though, and why I like this approach, is that it gets the client started from the optimal range of motion that they can achieve sooner rather than later. And from a motor learning perspective, I think that's quite beneficial. Um, in Olympic weightlifting, good coaches start people off with a broomstick to make sure that they can get into the ranges of motion. And until someone can achieve things with a broomstick or an empty bar, they're not allowed to load the bar. The movement needs to look good. And these athletes are strong, powerful, etc. yet we don't apply the same principles to our general population, which kind of doesn't make any sense. So once we've created that window of opportunity, that person performs a much better looking movement. So what generally tends to happen when someone is training and they haven't learned it, the lengthen, stabilize, strengthen type approach to it, so they haven't done corrective strategies first, is they will regress to the form that they learned at the beginning when they first started learning the movement. That's kind of like the strongest imprint on a subcortical level. So if someone's doing Romanian deadlift, for example, and they've had a really short range of motion, like just below the knee, and you've built that up over time by doing just below the knee, halfway through the knee, slightly below the knee, etc., over many, many workouts, what will happen when the bar gets heavy and fatigue starts to build, they'll start doing exercises in that shortened range of motion, which really kind of defeats the purpose, and then they get stronger in that shortened range of motion. Whereas the client who's been doing corrective strategies has basically gotten to the point where in four weeks they've mastered that full range of motion, they've developed a lot of strength, and your goal is then to piss off those corrective exercises, not have to do them anymore unless there's some kind of regression for some reason, which there shouldn't be, because the strength training will maintain it. So our goal of corrective exercises is to ex expedite the process to get the client to doing full range of motion, proper strength training.